Say this with me. Say, I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No you see, sometimes back. we can deal with things and go through so much in our life that we don't know when we need to go in hard with Jesus. And I just feel like the enemy's been attacking so many people that sometimes you need to let your praise match the level of your trial that you're going through. So if you've been through something this week, I want you to lift up a praise right now. I want you to, to praise him because he's worthy. I want you to lift him up because he's had the power to bring you out of what you're going through right now. Oh, God is so amazing. Well, we, uh, man, I want to get into this message, but I got to do a couple things first. So. Let's uh, get your tithe and your offering ready at this time. I just want to speak over that real quick, and then we're going to get into the Word of God. If you came prepared, if you give electronically, just grab your phone or however you do it. We're just going to talk over our seed. We believe in doing that here. Um, trust in God to keep his promises. How many of you know God always keeps his word? Yes, he, he's not like man. So when God speaks... You know, he said light come into existence. It just happened because he said it. You know, he put the, the sun, the moon, and the stars in place all by his word. That means that he can keep his very promise to you as well. It's not a problem. Father, we thank you now for this opportunity to sow and to give and to obey you in our tithe and our offering. We thank you that because we do that, we stand under an open heaven, trusting that you promised to pour out blessing that we wouldn't even have room enough to take it in. We thank you in advance for rebuking the devourer for our sake. We thank you for keeping us in season and letting everything that harvests, harvest at the time that you desire. We thank you for protection. We thank you for the fact that you're able to do more with 90 than we can do with 100, Lord. So we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for this opportunity to worship you in that way. And we thank you for the harvest. In Jesus' name, and let everyone shout amen. Shout amen. Shout amen. All right, just a few other things. You can sit down. Uh, we... We'll be having, we're in the midst of our clothing drive uh, for, for uh, we're partnering with Cup of Love for our Thanksgiving uh, clothing drive. So you can begin to bring any gently used uh, items in. And we're just uh, partnering with Cup of Love and their big outreach to bless the homeless. And um, how many of you know that God put clothes on the homeless? <laughs> that was an important thing for Jesus. So we want to participate in the same thing and just be a blessing uh, in that area. Well, we are in this series and we're in part two of Heart for the House. And last week, I talked about uh, purpose, passion, and priorities and how um, it's so important for us to have all three, to have our priorities right, to have purpose and direction for our lives, but also to have passion about the things that God has called us to do. And I was sharing with uh, a team before service today that when God gives you a leader, he gives you a pastor, he should do three things. And in some ways, say it's more. But he should love you, he should encourage you, and we don't typically have a problem with those two. But he should also challenge you. Um, he should challenge you. And when you have all of those three, then we grow. And so last week was really a, a challenging message because um, we, we're reminded that God uh, wants us to walk in priority, putting him first. And when we put him first, then he just brings everything else into place. But it's so contrary to what the world tells you. The world tells you, um, uh, 
worry about me, my four, and no more. And what ends up happening is we get so engrossed in our tests and our personal trials and the personal struggles that we are going through in our life that we don't, the, the enemy has distracted us from what's really important, and that is the priorities that God has for us. So it, it, it should really drive us to think about what, what, what is really on our mind and our heart when we get up in the morning, what consumes us when we go through our day. Because let me tell you something, if you're not careful, you end up worshiping your struggle instead of God. And so it's important to, to put him at the forefront of your thinking. But this week, um, I want to challenge you a little bit further, but it probably will be more encouragement for some of you. And we're talking this morning about this, this theme, legacy matters. Legacy matters. Legacy matters. And, and the reason that I chose this as part of our Heart for the House series is because we are people that really have to begin to think in terms of, of who and what is coming behind us. We can get so self-absorbed that really everything is about us. And, but when we look at Proverbs 13, 22, it says, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the just. And, and the reason that I chose the scripture is because I'm going back to that first part, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. When we're believers, when we're children of God, and, and I, don't want you, I, want you, I don't want you to focus so much on money here as much as legacy, what are you leaving for your grandchildren? What legacy are you leaving for those who are coming behind you? When they watch you, when they see you, when they listen to us, what are they gaining? What's being imparted? And so legacy is important, but, but we need to define it. Legacy is simply this, anything handed down from the past. Legacy is anything handed down from the past. So when you hear that, a couple of things begin to go through your mind. You begin to think about, well, what was past to me? What mindsets, what thought processes, what struggles, what behaviors do I practice now and live out now that were handed down and imparted to me? And if they're good ones, why do I continue them? And if they're bad ones, why do I hold on to them? How many of you know everybody has some stuff? It's quiet in here. But everybody has some stuff. My grandmother used to say it like this. She said, Shannon, you go in any house, every house has at least two closets. What are we going to find when we open yours? And so the reality is, is that all of us have some stuff that's been passed down. But the important thing is to begin to deal with what am I going to do with the legacy I've been given? If it's something I don't want, do I just continue to, pay, to hold on to it as if I, I, there's no escape from it? Or do I let it go? The, the, the spiritual term for it is, is called generational curses. How many of you heard that term before? There are things that we don't necessarily like, things that, that tend to haunt us and hinder us, um, and they're passed down from generation to generation. But what I want to challenge you with is God probably wants us more concerned about generational blessing, blessing that we can both first get from God and then pass on to those who are coming behind us. Here's the principle. We often waste so much time rehearsing our history instead of preparing our legacy. How many of you, you meet somebody and, and you come in contact with them and the majority of the com conversation is dominated by their past? Think about it. Because our pasts and things that we've experienced in the past, they traumatize us. They hurt us. They've had an effect on us. And, and the, the challenge is how, how, how do I get honest about what I've been through and at the same time don't not be chained to what I've been through? And so it comes to the fact that, yes, I've experienced what I've experienced. Wave your hand if you've ever been through something. 
something hard. So we've all had something that, it, maybe it was something that happened in a relationship. Maybe it was something that happened with your parents. Maybe it was something that happened um, during your schooling or, or, or your job. We don't, we don't know. But the reality is all of us have some stuff, and now we've got to deal with how long am I going to spend rehearsing my past instead of looking forward to what God has for me. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, uh, I know the plans that I have for you. So God knows what he has in store for you. Say, God has a plan for me. Oh, say it like you mean it. God has something for me. You got to believe it. You got to believe he has something for you because if you believe it, you'll go after it. See, the enemy wants to beat you. This is why some of y'all are going through what you're going through because he wants to beat you up so much that you won't chase anything. How many of you, you can see something. You can see plainly God has this for me, but the enemy beats you up so much you're like, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of having to experience storms and tests in my life. I'm tired of having to, it seemed like it's easy for everybody else and it's hard for me. You ever felt like that? You're looking at somebody else and they seem to have it so easy in their life. They just go through life, everything. They smiling all the time. Let me challenge you. They're going through something too. They're just not telling you about it. But they're dealing with storms in their life too. And so what we've got to do is begin to become people who are purposeful, who press through our storms, who press through our tests, who press through um, the, the video playing in our head of our past so much. I mean, the, the enemy, he's good at finding that one mistake that, you, that, that hurts you the most and then replaying it over and over again. Every time you step forward, he's like, remember when you did this? And then you, you curl into a little ball and you won't pursue what God has for you. But when we understand the power of legacy, we'll live for a purpose that will outlive us. When we understand the power of legacy, we'll live for something that will outlive us. When you have um, children and you begin to look at children, you're like, all of a sudden, I don't know if it does this for you, but for me, I look down at my children. All of a sudden, life becomes a whole lot more important. What I say and what I do becomes a, a whole lot important. Then they get to the age where they start repeating what you said. And they start doing what you do. And they start, and, and you sit there and you begin, you, it, it sobers you because you realize that in every action and in every purpose, you're passing something. Y'all with me? You're, you're handing something to them. To, so the question we need to ask ourselves is what are we handing to them? What does this have to do with heart for the house? When we come together, we should be encouraging each other and pushing each other to grow so that we pass something on to those who are coming behind us. See, the reality is we, we thought, people thought for years, you know, you just come and sing and preach and that, that's church. But the reality is if that's all it is, we can do that somewhere else. But God called us as a family together so that you can make me better. I can make you better. We can be stronger together so that we're leaving an imprint for those who are coming behind us. Are you with me? Is this too much? Y'all with me? So, so God wants to put every Sunday you come in here, he wants to put something in you that you can impart to those around you and to those who are coming behind you. Billy Graham said this. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass to one's children and grandchildren is not money, or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. And many of you who know me know I talk about my grandmother a lot because a lot of what I have discovered about faith and learned about faith, I learned from her. Um, the, the woman had God at the center of everything, and I, I saw her when she was strong, and then I saw her towards the end of, the, of her life 
when she wasn't as strong. And if, if whatever it took, whether we had to put a wheelchair in the car or a cane in the car, she'd get in the, in the back seat of the car and say, come, somebody come get me for church. I, I need to be in church. And when she couldn't make it anymore, she, she called me about 3 o'clock in the afternoon after church was over. She'd say, Shannon, I, I was, why are you talking about this? Because it's going to help somebody. She'd say, Shannon, I, I, I know I wasn't in church, but I was at home and I figured at about 12, y'all would be singing this song. And about 1, the, uh, your dad would be getting up to preach. And so I would be pretending in the house that I was singing along. And then she said, so about 3 o'clock, she'd call and she said, I, I had service by myself, but Shannon, drive over and, and come, come get my tithe. I'm like, grandmother, you're 76 years old and you are calling me at 3 o'clock to come over your house and get... I'd ask her this, and she said, Shannon, I'm 76, but you can't, I'm not going to let the devil steal my blessing. <laughs> she left a legacy, but, but, but my point is not about the money, it's about the legacy of faith that she had even at that age when she, she couldn't move. And then we go on, and I remember it was somewhere around September in the holiday, uh, uh, Labor Day, I believe, September, she said, I want you and your dad to come over to the house. And we thought we were just going over to help her do some stuff. And she began to eat her oatmeal. She loved oatmeal. I can't stand it. I'm a cream of wheat guy. But she, she loved oatmeal. And so she was sitting at the table and she was eating oatmeal. And, and I, I looked at her, looked in her eyes, and something told me that that was the last meal that I would see her eat. <laughs> um, and so she ate it just peacefully. And she said, I want to go lay down now. Um, and then she laid down, and uh, she laid down, and we were all just sitting around the bed, and, and she didn't say anything else, and all of a sudden, she, you, it, it, she just looked like she was looking towards heaven. <laughs> and if you know anything about my grandmother, which you don't, because I'm telling you now, <laughs> um, but what's funny was... Um, she basically died on the bed, and then we called the ambulance. They came and got her, and they were able to bring her back in the ambulance. I'm like, this woman's got some crazy kind of Jesus going on inside her. Um, and so um, we all met her at the hospital, and um, they'd given some. She, she ended up kind of coming into consciousness for a little bit, and she was imparting even, even in the hospital bed, she's, in, she's imparting. Now, she just died at the house, <laughs> and she's imparting into us, even at that moment. And she's like, well, the hand of the Lord be on y'all, and, you know, continue to trust God and believe God. And, and she's using her moments, watch this, to not focus on her own condition. This is going to help somebody. But she's using her moments to now impart into her family those who are going to be here long after she's gone. And, and why am I telling you this? Because I want us to get so focused and such a God mindset, so much of Jesus inside of us, that our, we are consumed with pouring into those who are coming after us. That's how she lived. That's what this is all about. That's why we do church because, listen, I can't pastor this church for 100 years. Somebody, somebody else will do it eventually, but we want to leave an imprint now that those who are coming behind us can leave their mark for Jesus. Can we say amen? Miles Monroe said this. He said, true leaders don't invest in buildings. Jesus never built one. They invest in people. Why? Because success without a successor is failure. So your legacy should not be in buildings, programs, or projects. Your legacy should be 
in people. How well are you loving the people that are around you? Even when they get on your nerves. You see, what I've learned, and I don't have this perfect, is that we never know what anybody's experiencing or what they're going through, but the house of God should be a place of refuge. When they come into the church, when people come into the church, there's something that should be deposited in them that helps them to know you can just go another day. Think about that for a minute. Somebody, have you ever had somebody just encourage you or just hug you and let you know, look, you'll make it another day? That's legacy for somebody when they, they've had hell on earth all week, but they come in and somebody just shakes their hand and lets them know they're important and that somebody cares about. When they've been ignored by the world, but they come in the church and somebody says, you know what, I love you and God loves you. I can't fix all your problems, but I can tell you that God loves you, that he cares about you. That's the kind of legacy you want to leave. That's the kind of thing you want to see your children do and your grandchildren do. We get hung up on the wrong stuff. And that's why I believe, I'll prove it to you. How many of you be honest, don't raise your hand, you're nicer when you're not going through something? <laughs> you know, you just, but if you're agitated, there's something getting on your nerves, somebody says hello, even they chewing gum gets on your nerves. <laughs> you just look at them with the glare. <laughs> when you're going through something, even hearing their footsteps just bother you when you're agitated. But... When you, when you have peace in your heart, it's like, man, they could bash the windows in. And you're like, praise Jesus. <laughs> you know, so the point is, we want to get outside of ourselves, and we want to love people so well that they see Jesus. I wish some of this was, was original, but uh, Brother Desmond was talking to our team about it last week, man. Sometimes we, we don't have to be deep. We just got to love people where they are. <laughs> You know, you, we, some of us, are, are, we get consumed with being the answer to everything, and sometimes the answer is just let, let somebody know you care about them, and they can make it another day. So after these things, talking about Abraham, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not fear, Abraham, I am a shield to you, your reward will be great. And Abraham said, oh Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house is to be my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. Now, Abraham is probably thinking at this point, if you know the story, man, you, God, you crazy. I'm 75 years old. Stuff don't work anymore. <laughs> and you're trying to tell me I'm going to have a child of my own, but Here's what God says. He says, and he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens, count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed, say believed, in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Stop putting your faith in people. When God speaks, that's where you need to put your faith. See, what happens a lot of times is God will speak to you and then you get disappointed because man didn't do something that he should have done. But our faith should be in God. Abraham realizes the promise comes from God, so that's where I've got to place my faith and believe. But God, it's so important because God will never impart something to us that we can't pass on to the next generation. If we learn this principle, we'll hold 
the blessings of God will hold the things that he gives us loosely than we do. Some of us, God gives us something we hold so tight to him that he, can't, he gets it to us, but he can't get it through us. He doesn't give you anything, and this is why, well, God, why, why, why does it seem like I'm always experiencing a drought? Because he can't move it through you. All he can do is get it to you. If he can move it through you, then he can trust you with it. Say amen. So it's, it, it, and so learning this is, is a power of leaving legacy because God gives something to you, and you have this, this inner desire to constantly pour out what he's poured in. And God will always, this is the part I like and we miss when we read this text. And I just saw it when I was studying it this week. But God will always put something in front of you to remind you of where he's taking you. Well, what do you mean, pastor? As soon as God makes a promise to Abraham, he takes him outside. Now watch this. I don't want you to miss it. He takes him outside and then he says, look at the stars and then look at the sand. There's a principle here. If you miss it, then you miss everything. He takes Abraham outside and he makes, it look, makes him look at something that he's going to see every single day of his life to remind him of the promise. Why, so so every, every time Abraham wakes up and he goes outside, he's going to see the sand. Every time he lays down before he goes down at night, he's going to see the stars in the sky and be reminded that God said your offspring is going to be just like this. God made it impossible for him to forget the promise that he made to him. And sometimes we don't see the symbols and the signs that God is giving us simply because we won't look. But if we look hard enough, we'll see that there's something in my life, there's something in my heart, there's something in my house that won't go away that reminds me of what he promised. If we look, we'll always see symbols of what he promised. If we look. How can you prove that? Remember, he, said, he, he told Noah, I'm never going to destroy the earth by flood again. And just to remind you, every time you see a rainbow in the sky, that's your reminder that it's not going to happen. So God's principle, his order, his pattern is there's something. And even now, search your heart and think about what I'm teaching you here. And if you look, you'll see something in your life that reminds you to keep on going. It may be the smallest thing, but you'll see something that's over and over, even if it's something God brought you out of. Some of y'all missed that already. But sometimes God will remind you just of what he brought you out of to remind you that he has purpose for your life. You are living, breathing, and moving right now, and that means that he has a plan for you. You're like, I, I get that whole he's got a plan for me, but you don't know my story. I don't need to know your story because God already wrote the final chapter. And if you're standing here, your purpose has not been destroyed. I want you to live. If you sit next to somebody, people say, I hate when pastors tell us to look at our neighbor. I won't tell you to look at your neighbor. Just turn around and look at your neighbor. <laughs> and tell them, keep on going. Do you realize that sometimes all you need in your life is somebody who cares enough to tell you to keep going? Someone who tells you enough to, 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 to don't quit. Someone that tells you enough, yeah, I know you made a mistake. I know you messed up. I know you failed, but I'm going to reach out my hand and help you get back up. Sometimes that's all you need because if you realize it, none of us are perfect. None of us always get it right all the time, but we need somebody in our life who can tell us that mistake is not fatal. Generational blessing. What are we passing on? To the next generation. Psalm 78, 3 and 4 says this, which we have heard 
and known. So if we're going to pass it on, we got to have it first. What have we heard? What have we known? And our fathers have told us. So those who, who, who came before us, they did something for us. Every one of us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, stands on the shoulders of somebody else. And so they told us, we will not conceal them from their children. But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. We want to pass a legacy of faith on to everybody that we come in contact with. I want to hammer this point home today because everything that we got, we got, we got from somewhere. And we need to be able to say, Lord, what are you doing in my life? And how can I pass this on to somebody else? Sometimes when you ask people, well, how, why are you so nice? Why are you so kind? Why, why, why do you seem like you love so much? And a lot of times if you sit and talk with people, they got it from somebody else. Someone else loved them that way. Someone else encouraged them. Now, now, the other side of that is, if you see some people who are just mean and hateful and ignorant all the time, they got it from somewhere too. We want to talk about it. But, but we pick up these things too, and those are the same things that are passed on to someone else. I was doing a, uh, earlier this week, I'm part of a, a focus group with other pastors about... Um, talking about racial reconciliation within the church and things like that, just within the body of Christ as a whole. And one of the things we discussed is how tensions and different things are, are, are passed from one generation to the other. On, on, on both sides of the issue and everywhere in between, they're, they're passed from one generation to the other. But the thing that we, we talked about is we have much more that should bring us together, yet we let the small things divide us. Think about that. Think about that. If, if we came to the table on anything, in friendships and relationships, how many of you know if we, if we actually sat down with somebody, you might have more in common with them than you realize? But the enemy's plan is to take that one thing that you disagree about and divide. It's quiet in here. I'm not going any further than this. This isn't a reconciliation message. Y'all don't get scared. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that we as believers... Jesus said it this way. He said, I want you to love one another, and by this all men shall know what? That you're my disciples. So the way that we love and care for one another is something that we pass on so that everybody else who's watching the body of Christ, watching the church, watching what the church does, can see Jesus. Our lives are meant to fuel our current generation and to give influence to the next this should really make us search our hearts. It should really make us ask, why do I do the things that I do? Why do I say the things that I say? Why do I spend the time in the places that I spend my time? Is this something that is going to be beneficial and profitable to those that are coming behind us? This is, whether you realize it or not, this is a spiritual message. <laughs> it's extremely spiritual because when, when, when you watch when your kids watch you opening your Bible and reading your Bible and they watch you praying and loving and giving and serving, they're watching that and, and, and they'll catch that. They'll catch that and they'll start to ask you questions. Uh, how do you know? My little daughter's three years old and she's smart enough to know that when she wakes up on Saturday morning, she gets so excited. My light's on, Daddy. Is it time to go to set up? 
And she gets so excited about stuff that some other people don't get excited about. But she gets so excited because she knows. Now, now, where did that come from? She didn't just pick it up on her own. She watched something. You know, she chasing Sean and Joy around on Saturday. She, you know, she, it, it, you know but it's, it's something that she's excited about because she saw something. What is God doing? And, and I'm challenging you because God is doing something in every one of your lives that somebody can watch and get excited about. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Somebody has to tell what God has done. I may not be where I want to be. Repeat that to me. I may not be where I want to be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. Think about that. Isn't that powerful? We're on this journey and life isn't perfect for us. We're dealing with things. We're struggling with things. Some of us are having mental battles, but thank God I'm not in that pit I was in before. And I'm growing in the grace of God every day. Let's get back to Abraham. Because Abraham realized that the sole purpose of what God was doing in his life was to pass it on. (laughs) Say pass it on. Prove that from the scripture, pastor. Okay. Genesis 25, 5 and 6. Now Abraham gave some of what he had. Now Abraham gave most of what he had. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. I want to stop on that part right there. You ever hear in the midst of church and life and work and school, I'm giving my all, and you hear that in that context, but how many of us really live for the point that when the end of our journey is over, that we can say, God, you've done so much for me. You've been so good to me. You've been so gracious to me and so merciful to me that, God, I want to take everything that you've done and give it to the son that you promised. You're thinking, as I did, when I didn't investigate this fully, (laughs) that it's only talking about stuff. But let's read the rest of the text. And Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and sent them away from his son Isaac. So he gave material stuff, watch this, to everybody who was working for him, to everybody who was around him. Abraham blessed them with stuff, but he blessed Isaac with legacy. All that he had, everything that Abraham on the inside, all the wisdom, all the understanding, all the knowledge, when you dig and you study it, you'll find out it was much more than just stuff. And some of us are distracted, we're defeated, we're discouraged because we don't have stuff. Some people are so satisfied with possessions that they miss purpose. You can get so engrossed in that thing you never had Watch this. That now, now you have an opportunity. You get so, I, I never had it. And you begin to envy other people who have it. And then when you get it, you don't want it anymore because things can never satisfy. God, God wants, he, he'll bless you with stuff, but let me help you understand something. He'll give it to you when you, when you don't love it. As soon as he can trust that you won't worship stuff, he won't have a problem releasing it to you. 
So, how, Pastor, how do I know if I worship stuff? What do you do with what he already gave you? When he prompts you, let go, do you hold on? When he says, I'm first, do you say, he's last? <laughs> if he can trust you to just do what he told you to do with what he already gave you, how many of you have a problem giving you overflow and more? But it starts with, but, well, well, Pastor, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I'm doing better, then I'll do better. And then it ends up, God says, well, I can't trust you to give you better because you won't do better with where you are. Does it make sense? This is the challenge part of this. Remember I told you, love you, encourage you, but I got to challenge you too, that what are you doing with the word of encouragement that's on the inside of you now? You want God to bless you with a prophetic word for somebody else, but you won't even tell your neighbor you love them. You won't even tell them you can, they can make it another day. If he can trust you with that, then he can trust you with a word of wisdom <laughs> or a word of knowledge. Y'all still with me or am I hurting your feelings now? Okay. Because, see, see, every single one of you has gifts. You've been specially designed by God. He's put something inside of you to pass on, but you've got to be willing to press past yourself so you can pass it on. You say, well, I don't have anything to offer. You're a liar. <laughs> the pastor just called me a liar. You've been made in the image of God, in his likeness. And if you're made with that, that means that you have something on the inside. Paul said it like this, that each, each part of the body has a gift that he's given to it for the common good or for the common benefit. That means that there's something inside of you. I don't care if you, 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 don't, you, you don't know what it is yet. There's something inside of you. If you sit next to somebody, think about it. There's something inside of you that, that God gave you for the person right next to you. You, you want to go bless the nations. Bless the person right next to you. Encourage the person right next to you. You put something in your heart. That will challenge. Some of it is simply, man, you know what? That's a nice shirt. <laughs> Somebody hadn't had a compliment all week, but they need to feel the love of God coming out of you. I'm almost done. Here we go. This is what happens. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, and I want you to, I want you to watch years later what Isaac does. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. The enemy will always try to plug up what God is doing in your life. He'll try to plug up your gifts. He'll try and strangle your talents. He'll try and, and, and do all of that. But here we see that Isaac dug again. Let me get back. The Philistines stopped up by filling worth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. Everything in the past is not bad. And here's what I've learned and I hope that, that you can gather this point if you don't get anything else. We are in a generation that is hooked on novelty. A generation that is hooked on everything has to be new and exciting for us to get with it. But what Isaac realized was that his father had imparted something into him and that there was something back there. This is why he said, Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham for the Philistines had stopped them up. Everything that the enemy tried to do to cut off the positive part of his legacy, Isaac went back and dug it up again. Say, dig it up. Sometimes you gotta dig it up. 
that thing, that, that word of encouragement that you had years ago that the enemy tried to make you forget because of your sickness, because of your lack, because of your scarcity, because of your struggle, because of your discouragement. You got to go back, say it again, dig it up. You got to go back and dig up that word that you got. Sometimes you got to go back and dig up that promise that you got. Some of y'all got words from God at the beginning of the year that have shaped your year, and the enemy has thrown stuff at you that is direct opposite of what God told you. Is anybody in this building today where the enemy has made your life look like the direct opposite of everything that God has promised? But I come to tell you today, if you didn't hear anything else, that God is a God who keeps his word. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what you're going through. You are going to make it to your promise. Say, I want my promise. Say, I'm making room for my promise. Stand to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord. And this is the prayer. I want you to make this song a prayer, but I want you to worship with our team. And and I want you to sing with all your heart this last song. Because this is what you're going to need to lay hold to the promise that God has for you. He didn't bring you this far just to leave you. He didn't bring you this far so that you couldn't pass a positive legacy on to someone else. He didn't didn't promise you he was going to do all these different things in your life and just leave you hanging. So when you sing this, you need to understand and you need to take hold of everything that God has for you. Anything, I don't know who I'm talking to, anything that the enemy tried to steal from you, steal your self-esteem, steal your mind, steal your heart, steal your passion, steal your purpose, you need to sing this song with all you have and ask God to give you faith to lay hold to the promise.